Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Alex Crook, alongside the former England striker Dean Ashton and European football guru Kevin Hatchard. Every day when you wake up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing all the upcoming games. On today's podcast, England hit Iran for six, Wales salvage a draw against the USA, FIFA get tough on one-love armbands, a ridiculous amount of injury time being played, and it's messy day. One of the pre-tournament favourites, Argentina, get their campaign off and running in just a few hours. This is the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. The 2022 World Cup campaign is underway. So sit back and let the history unfold. Shaw firing it in. Bannigan! 1-0 England. It's an away swing that Maguire climbs high for. And he's lowered into the net from the edge of the penalty area by Saka. 14 added minutes. It's 3-0. Saka's got it, twisting onto his left foot, and finds the corner. Fire deflection, and there's goal number four. Little flick ball in, and Jordan Pickford is beaten. And Iran have one back, and a chance straight away for Rashford, and he's fine. Wow! An opportunity to draw the ball back for Grealish! Half a dozen for England on a fantastic night. Comes up, hits it right-footed, and... He sent Pickford the wrong way. No celebrations from the Iranian players. Tereini receives the ball as it ricochets back off the net. And it means that this is going to end. England 6, Iran 2. Yes, what a start to the 2022 World Cup for England as they rack up their biggest ever opening day victory. Uh, Brings a smile to the face of both of our guests this morning, the former three-line striker Dean Ashton. And, of course, Kevin Hatchard uh, back in cold blighty uh guys very quickly how much did you enjoy it uh very much uh, and and i was really pleasantly surprised i thought iran were going to make it quite tricky i thought they were going to dig in they're, they're quite a hard team to break down a lot of the time but england made them look awful and that, i think that was more england being outstanding than iran being that bad i, I thought england's movement the way they um, played with speed, speed of thought, speed of movement, Saka's performance. It was all tremendous, really encouraging. Yeah, I think that's um, something we can't just gloss over. We can't just go, oh, well, 
people say, oh, it's only Iran or, you know, it's only the group. We've got to enjoy that yesterday. That was a fantastic performance from England and their, and their young players. It was just, you know, the way they were clinical in their finishing, just everything they hadn't been in recent games under Southgate. Before kickoff, all seven nations who committed to wearing the One Love armband confirmed they now will not do so. Uh, FIFA, of course, had threatened to book any player for wearing them. And Gareth Southgate told TalkSport they wanted to, but the matter was out of their hands. I think we have wanted to support all of the groups that, um, uh, you know, the inclusivity of the, the whole tournament and across several European countries, stand was taken I think um, I was a bit concerned that approval hadn't been given and I think um, I think there's lessons to be learned from that if I'm honest um, but we had to focus on the football and other people had to do that talking overnight and uh, yesterday and this morning for me I didn't want anything now distracting the players there's been a huge amount of talk around us um, and understandable as I've said um, but our job is to get the team prepared and deliver the results. If we can help raise awareness of other issues, then we want to do that, and we will always try to do that. Um, but, of, of course, we're here to, to try and um, take our supporters on a great journey again. Gareth Southgate speaking to our own Faye Carruthers here in Qatar. I mean, let's start with the, the One Love Armband, Kev. <laughs> They've got a lot of stick, England, for backing down in a lot of people's eyes at the first sign of trouble. but. There was a very real threat, wasn't there, of Harry Kane getting a yellow card. If he was to get a second in, in the second group game, he would therefore have been suspended for the, the Battle of Britain, the final match against Wales. Even as a, a centre-forward who's not exactly renowned for his tough tackling, if you get a yellow card at kickoff, that makes your game very difficult, doesn't it, for the next 90 minutes. I, I don't actually think the FA had much of a choice in this. I guess the only criticism is they let it drag on too long to make such a big decision, having gone so strong and been so committed to wearing this armband to then make a U-turn hours before kickoff, I think doesn't necessarily send out the right signal. So this is a complex situation. And let's not forget, I think the real villains of the piece here are FIFA because they let it drag on. They didn't respond. I think this was first mentioned in September, wasn't it? So this has been a long time where FIFA could have come up with a response. They've let it go until this point and then said, no, you can't wear them. And we've even got these stories of them saying to Belgium that they have to take the word love off their away shirts. And so England were in this position. Personally, I'd have liked England to have done it anyway. Because, yes, Harry Kane would have been in a yellow card. I understand that. And I can understand the reservations about that. But if this is important to England, and I believe it is, I genuinely believe Gareth Southgate and these players have great belief in, belief in these causes, really do want to make these statements. I don't think it's as empty as everybody's making out. I, I genuinely believe they have that. But protest is difficult. And it's supposed to be difficult. And it's supposed to make an impact. And so I think if Harry Kane had said, OK, I'm going to wear it anyway. You book me, that's fine. You then put the pressure on FIFA. FIFA give him a yellow card. And if he then gets sent off against Iran, 
that's where the protest really makes a difference and really makes an impact. And I would have liked to have seen Gareth Bale. I would have liked to have seen Manuel Neuer because the indication is the Germans aren't going to do it either. I'd have liked to see these guys take a yellow card and say, fine, the message is important to us. If you're going to yellow card us, fine. And then that puts the pressure back on FIFA because ultimately, are FIFA really going to want to be sending people off for this? So... I was a little disappointed, I have to say, that all of the nations involved backed down at the first sign of trouble. Dean, let's focus uh, on events on the pitch. I think a lot of people were hoping that Gareth Southgate would pick a positive team, would go with the back four, um, would would really take the shackles off in a way that we don't always see um, from a Southgate side. I think he certainly did that. We got a fairly good indication as to what the team would be. Uh, talk sport the night before the game that Bukayo Saka uh, would be starting, that Mason Mount would be preferred um, to Foden in that number 10 position. I think we always knew that Harry Maguire was a guaranteed starter, despite the fact that he hasn't played much for Manchester United this season. But when you look at the performance, you have to say the England manager got all of those big tactical decisions right. And not only that, but the players that he called off the bench, Marcus Rashford scoring inside 52 seconds, Grealish getting a goal as well, Callum Wilson really lively. His in-game management was good as well. He deserves a lot of plaudits, doesn't he, Gareth Southgate? He does. I don't think we can underestimate how good a result it, it was. I mean, Iran have only conceded six once in their entire um, entire international lifetime, um, and that was in the 1950s. This isn't a team that just ship goals regularly. This is a team that is very good defensively, very, very well organised, especially under Carlos Quiroz. And I just thought, you're right, I thought you got it spot on. And I mean, part of me thought, why haven't we seen that style of system and and it played in the way that it was played yesterday in terms of just the one holding midfielder and real licence for the other two to get forward, to press, to get in the box. The amount of times that the ball got played wide because of the system that they used to allow the fullbacks that space and four, five, six England attackers all attacking the box at the same time. I haven't seen that very often from, from an England side. And it just it just worked. It really did um, sort of suffocate uh, Iran's defence in terms of not allowing them to get out because of that counter-press that the players had, because of the numbers in that, in that area. And then Maguire and Stones were excellent then, and, and Declan Rice, especially just in front of them, to intercept when when Iran tried to counterattack and it just it just seemed to work and there was a zip there was an energy about the the attacking play it wasn't slow uh, which we've seen before so yeah I think Southgate does deserve a lot of credit because he you know we would have been on top of him if this hadn't have gone the way that that we wanted but everything about it I absolutely loved. Kev, I'm not going to lie, my main aim when I pitched up for the game was that Marcus Rashford would come on, make an impact and score a goal. I think it's unfair, some of the criticism that he's received since the European Championships. And if you look at it, the two whipping boys, if you want, him and Saka, I mean, Saka absolutely outstanding, two goals, a man of the match performance. That's real redemption, isn't it, for those two who were the unfortunate players who missed penalties in the shootout in the final against Italy? They are people of the most incredible character to have had that crushing disappointment. I mean, to have had the bravery to take the pens in the first place. Let's not forget that in a major, major European final. Um, uh, But then to have the abuse that they did and to come through that 
and to bounce back. Rashford, I think, has has done an amazing job um, in terms of finding his best form at the right time, not just for for England but for United as well. He looks he looks lighter, he looks revitalised. Saka is just incredible. I mean, he plays with such joy and such quality. I mean, I know Iran kind of by by the time he got his second goal, Iran were kind of out on their feet really, and and kind of he was allowed to come in on his left and score, but it was still a great goal. The first is outrageous. The the technique for that first goal he scored, sensational. So really pleased for them. I agree with Dean. There was a real vibrancy about it, real energy about it. My only caveat would be, I know we'll get excited about this back four and the way they played and kind of these free eights, if you like. And I thought all of that was great. I wonder if he'll do that against the bigger sides with the, with the stronger attacks. I just can't see him doing that. My, my sense is he will, he'll revert to type. And I don't think that's necessarily an awful thing because I think that may get a little exposed. So we'll see, but it was very exciting to watch. Yeah, I was told before the tournament, Gareth Southgate planned to start with the back four, certainly for the first two group games. And as you've alluded to, Kev might well switch to a three uh, once they play a better standard of opponent. What about Jude Bellingham, Dean, the man whose excellent header really set the ball rolling? We were hoping he would be one of the breakout stars of this tournament, and that's the perfect platform for him, isn't it? I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that's one of the best performances I've ever seen from an England player at a tournament. I thought he was that good. And then, then when you put alongside that, that he's 19 years old, it was an astonishing performance at your first World Cup when... You know, the pressures of playing for England are absolutely enormous. And not only did was his goal brilliant in the way that he took it, but then I just watched in that second half the way he conducted that midfield, the way he's pointing and shouting and offering players the ball and, and wanted it back, Kev. And you've seen a lot, lot of him. I mean, it surprised me a little bit just how good he was. Did it surprise you? No, <laughs> because only because I've seen him so often for Dortmund. And what I have seen is I've seen his journey, even though he's still 19. I've seen him progress from the guy who first got there, who we knew was talented, to the guy we see now, who is a leader. And he's been that leader for a while now. And that's been recognized by Dortmund because they made him the third captain behind Marco Royce and Matt Hummels. So what's ended up happening is because Royce has been injured and Hummels has been in and out. He's ended up leading the side. And he says himself that when he first got there, he never even dreamed that he could captain the club. And he's not out of place at all. You're absolutely right about he's he's organising things. He's pointing to players. He's very, very demanding on the field. And I think some players take that the wrong way because some of them might look at him and think, well, hang on, he's 19. Who's this telling me what to do? But it's all for the good of the team. He has a real... It's the strength of his personality is extraordinary for a guy of his age. So, yeah, I mean, he's just getting started. Imagine what he'll be like when he's 27, 28. So he is a real asset to England. Yeah, and Kev, to be fair, has been extolling the virtues of Jude Bellingham for a long time. He did the same with Timo Werner and Jaden Sancho. But I think this time uh, maybe Kev is right and we do have a superstar on our hands. Champions League winner, Timo Werner. Champions League winner, Timo Werner. Yeah. Has anyone seen okay. Sancho, yeah. by the way? I guess he's uh, I guess he's walking the dog as we're recording this podcast. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Don't rule Gareth Bale out. He normally does something. Penalty to Wales! Gareth Bale, the player has been fouled, and they have a lifeline with 10 minutes to play. Bale steps up left foot, he makes no mistake, drives it high into the net, and Wales have their first goal at a World Cup Finals since 1958. And no surprise, it is Gareth Bale, the man who has scored it. I'm confident in my own ability, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm the penalty taker. I have to take the responsibility when I take up, of course. Sometimes you're going to miss, but it's, uh, it's about stepping up and trying to do your best for your country, and uh, thankfully it went in today. He is Welsh football, and he's delivered when his country really needed him. It's USA 1, Wales 1. Uh, let's move on to the other game in that group. USA 1, Wales 1 was how it finished. Wales really not in, in the game for the first half, and there was a key change at half-time from Rob Page. Let's hear from the Wales manager, who explained why he felt the need to bring on Kiefer Moore so early into proceedings. They played Sargent up top, which we didn't think they were going to play that uh, Sargent. I get why they played it. He's scoring goals in the championship. He made it hard for Sargent because he dropped. He let Joe Roden have the ball and he, he dropped back into midfield to make a four. And we couldn't get Aaron, we couldn't get Gareth, we couldn't get uh, Harry Wilson on the ball. So, and nothing against DJ. We couldn't get the ball into the middle third to play those passes down the side where we could exploit the two centre-backs. So we had to change it. We had to play over the press. And the, the best player on the, in our squad to do that is Kiefer. He's a willing runner. His link-up play is excellent, but he can also get us up the pitch and hold the ball up. And, and I think that made a difference, created a bit more space for us to get us up the pitch and then get Aaron on the ball and Harry and, and certainly Gareth. It doesn't take a genius. I tweeted as the USA scored, and they, they probably could have been two or three up at half-time, time to pull the Kiefer Moore cord. And uh, Dean, I tell you what, what an impact that guy made. He gave them a focal point up front in the second half. I don't think he actually gave the ball away. There was one incredible piece of mastery, a back heel to set Brennan Johnson through a goal. Johnson ended up shooting straight into the arms of the goalkeeper. But this was a transformative substitution and a game-changing impact from Kiefer Moore. I don't think Wales would have got anything from the game had Rob Page not gone so early with that call. No, it felt like they needed to put him on after 10 minutes, didn't it? I think um, I think one thing about Kiefer Moore is, and, and a few people have said it to me, is they think that he is a bit of a, a battering ram in that 
He will pick up yellow cards. He is very physical. He doesn't. He's not really tall, but doesn't use it. Um, and I think that's probably something that'll always be labelled on him. But actually, you're right. I thought you know his build-up play when I, when I've watched him for Wales has been has been excellent. He knows how to bring players into the game, and actually, I think that's vital for Wales because they're a counter-attacking side. They need that player up there that is going to get hold of it for for two or three seconds, allow the other players to get up the pitch and support, and then they've got that that pace in behind. Like you say, with the back heel, they're they're suddenly away and in. Um, and that is Wales basically down to a tee, unless they can then build and get it wide. And again, he's the one that's going to be the threat. And, and USA didn't really have an answer to that that key for more problem. Um, so it, it, it sort of makes you think, why didn't he why didn't he start? And clearly he has to for the rest of the tournament. I think it's a big concern for the USA, bearing in mind they have the second youngest squad in the tournament, the way that they seem to empty the tank so quickly in the second half, especially, Kev, if you look at the Wales team, I know he scored the penalty and it was so coolly tucked away. No goalkeeper in the world was saving that, but Gareth Bale, uh, to me, certainly didn't look fully up to match speed. And the same can be said of Aaron Ramsey. How much of a concern is that for Wales uh, going into not just this game coming up against Iran, but in particular that game against England when they might need a positive result to get through the group and qualify for the knockout stages? Yeah, I thought Ramsey had his moments. It wasn't his most effective game. But, you know, Bale, you can just kind of just have him on there, have him do nothing for 90 minutes and they'll get you a goal. Because it's just, he, he's this crazy kind of force of nature that he won't play for ages. And then, oh, he's just scored as an equaliser or, oh, he's just got as a winner. I mean, he's just just by being there. He lifts the entire team. Dean's absolutely right about Kiefer Moore and you too, Crookie. I think they just got higher up the pitch. Yeah. They had a strange lack of energy in that first half. And I thought they made the US look much better than they are, actually, in that first half. I think there are big holes in that US team, I believe. I don't think the balance is right at all. I mean, they've got some great individuals. But the centre-back pairing, I think, is really vulnerable. Zimmerman's challenge on bail for the penalty was ridiculous. And he did that thing that players always do when they know they've messed up. He's wagging the finger before he's even finished the challenge, saying, no, it's not a penalty, definitely not. So that was, that was you know, a crazy moment for him. Tim Ream, I know, has done okay for Fulham this season, but I think you can get at him as well. And I guess that was Rob Page's idea with a bit of pace in attack, try and get in behind them. They just didn't get the ball up the pitch. And so that's why the key for more change made such a difference. But I, I think Wales can really build on that. I, I think it's a really encouraging end to the game. Whereas with the US, they'll look at it and think, OK, we played with energy. Pulisic looked good. But ultimately, we were clinging on a bit. So, you know, I think Wales come out of that with much more positivity than the US. Yeah, no, I think Kev's right, Dean. If, if Gareth Southgate is watching that game, and of course he will be pouring over it to try and find some deficiencies in the USA side. I think the goalkeeper, Matt Turner, who obviously hasn't played a lot of club football this season. I thought he looked uh, vulnerable. Still not a fan of Sargent at this level. It's a strange one that uh, Aronson and Rayner didn't start the game. Pulisic looked lively, obviously picked up an injury uh, at one stage, which will be a worry for them. England should beat this USA side and beat them quite comfortably, shouldn't they? Well, yeah, I was waiting to see, you know, just how they would start, like because of the youthfulness of that of that USA side and, and it's something that, you know, 
that's why you have such experience sometimes in your team is when you come up against that that difficult moment when teams are going to change if you're on top and and do something to try and upset that i thought they struggled in being able to manage manage that and i just think england will pose even more problems of course than than wales will do and and, and i think we'll overpower them um in that in that game um so yeah it it does seem as if i mean i, I just felt like wales couldn't lose that game i think with with wales playing england um, in the last group game um, and it looking like you know you can get out Iran and, and, and win that game if you if you Wales point of view and, and taking the positives from, from the USA game um, they just couldn't lose that game last night so that's why that bail goal was so important and it does create the scenario now where a draw in that final game of the group between England and Wales might just suit both nations. Uh, you would expect England to beat the USA. That would put them on six points. Wales simply have to beat Iran based on what we saw yesterday. That would put them on four points. You would expect USA also to beat Iran in the final game. Um, so therefore, a point for Wales would put them through in second place against England. A point for England tops the group. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Is that how we see it working out? Do we think England and Wales will be the two to progress? I said that pre-tournament. I still believe that. I'm not sure Iran are as bad as they were made to look by England. I think they might cause the US and Wales more problems than we think. I think I thought Taremi looked really sharp. We knew that. We knew he was their main attacking threat. But Sada Asmoon came on as a sub. I, I, he hit the bar against England. Great save from Pickford. I think if he starts, he's a danger. So I, I wouldn't necessarily write off Iran and just assume they'll lose the next two games because I think they're better than they showed against England. And a reminder, every England and Wales game live on Talk Sport. Uh, let's talk about the third game yesterday very briefly. Senegal nil, Netherlands 2-2. Two, two late goals. It wasn't... It wasn't an inspiring performance from the Dutch and Edouard Mendy, who's not been in great form for Chelsea going into the World Cup, continued that. Probably you could label responsibility at his feet for both the goals they conceded. Obviously, they missed Sadio Mane because they actually created a few decent openings, Senegal, but didn't really have anyone to make the most of those. What do we make of Holland, Kev? I thought they were poor for for the most part. I, I think there were concerns defensively. Matthias De Ligt wasn't necessarily expected to start the game and didn't look comfortable, didn't look fully fit. That has been an issue for Bayern recently, that he hasn't necessarily been starting every game because of injury. So I thought Urien Timber was going to play. So I, I thought they were really pedestrian. Um, Bergwijn, who's been great for Ajax, barely got a kick, uh, which was surprising to me. And Gakpo did what he's been doing, which is making match-winning contributions for PSV. He's been scoring goals, making goals. Great timing of the run. Beautifully done. Uh, Dean would know that better than me. Um, you know, ghosting into the box and flicking the ball past the goalkeeper. It was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, Mendy, I think, was at fault for both goals. I think he looked jittery at times. Um, uh, and Senegal just couldn't quite see it through. I think it's one of those awkward opening games where if you're a, a favoured nation, you just grind it out and you find a way. And that's what the Dutch did. It's a strange one, the, the Mendy situation, because obviously Graham Potter took Ben Roberts, goalkeeping coach from Brighton with him, very highly regarded in the game, did great work uh, with Robert Sanchez down on the South Coast. But 
for whatever reason at the moment. Mendy really struggling for form, and as Kev says there, for confidence as well. Obviously, the Netherlands do have a fully fit Memphis Depay to still come into their armoury, uh, so they should build and grow as the tournament progresses. OK, that's the story of Monday. Let's look ahead to a four-game Tuesday on TalkSport. Festival of football here in Qatar. He's looking for Lionel Messi, he's in here! Oh, what a fabulous goal! Lionel Messi! And quite simply an illustration of why he's one of the very best in the world and the very best of all time. He has an Argentina team that can win the World Cup. Kylian Mbappe from distance, it's four, and France are going to win the World Cup. When you have Mbappe on your side, it's very difficult not to win. Christian Eriksson! What a moment for the Dane! If you didn't know that he collapsed a year ago, you wouldn't have guessed it because he looks just like his old self, maybe even better now, and plays brilliantly for the national team. And the header goes in for 1-1! Robert Lewandowski equalises, it's a massive goal for Poland! This is the World Cup on TalkSport. Argentina against Saudi Arabia is live on TalkSport 2. It's a 10am kickoff. I can give you a little bit of exclusive team news, actually, uh, about this game. Papu Gomez is going to start. Uh, no Giovanni Lo Celso, which Tottenham fans may not see as a big blow, but I think he's been quite an important player for Argentina. I'm told that Lionel Messi has a big say uh, in who uh, who actually starts this game for Argentina. So Papu Gomez uh, has got the nod. I was out in Sukwakith uh, uh, last night, which is a... An, sort of old town style area where a lot of fans from all nations seem to be congregating. There was a big contingent from Saudi Arabia, Dean Ashton. They were in fine voice. Will they still be in fine voice come the end of this one? I'm not sure they will, no. I think, I find it fascinating, you know, seeing the the Argentinian fans because I haven't seen a shirt yet that hasn't got Messi on the back. And I know he is, I know he's, you know, an unbelievable player, one of the world's greatest ever. But, you, you know, you think of all other countries, they will have other names. They just don't. It's it's messy. And I think he looks as fit as he's ever looked. He really does. Um, and it's almost like he's been building towards towards this tournament. And I, th- I think he's going to be, again, he's, he's going to be probably the star of the, of the tournament. It's just, does it feel like that defence is going to hold firm for Argentina. Now, t- today's game, I don't think, is, is is a worry in that sense. I think further down the line is when it when it certainly will be tested. But, yeah, today's going to be all about about Messi, and it, and it should be. And I'm going to enjoy watching and seeing how they do get on. Uh, Denmark-Tunisia is the game that Dean Ashton and myself will be commentating. That gets underway at uh, 1 o'clock UK time. That's live on Talk Sport. A lot of people, Kev, talking about Denmark as a potential dark horse. I've obviously done a lot of research into their team. It strikes me they're going to be very defensively organised. They've got the inspiration in terms of playmaking abilities from Christian Eriksen. They obviously didn't have uh, in the knockout stages of the Euros for obvious reasons. But they still don't really have a goal scorer. How big a problem is that? Or uh, World Cups quite often can solid defences take you a long way into the draw? Well, the first thing about Denmark is, can we really call them a dark horse if everybody's calling them a dark horse, is what I always think. Because, you know, you look at them and you think, well, they got so deep into the Euros, having had that extraordinary situation where they lost Christian Eriksen in those terrifying circumstances. It's great to have him back. 
He's been playing well for Manchester United, as you well know, but I think he raises his game even further for Denmark. I do agree with you in terms of they don't have a regular number nine you could hang your hat on, but they can hurt you in lots of different ways. And Yusuf Palsen I like very much. Uh, he's had to battle back from injury, but there's real determination about him, a real confidence about him. He's capable of scoring goals. Andreas Cornelius did really well against France in the Nations League. And this is the thing to remember about the Danes. They have beaten France home and away recently in that Nations League campaign. And so they will look at it and think, well, not only can we qualify, but maybe we can win the group. So I think it's very, very interesting how they approach this. Yes, Lindstrom is an interesting wild card for them because he's done ever so well for Eintracht Frankfurt this season. I was kind of surprised with the consistency that he found. So they're a, they're a really good side still. Yeah, I've actually got Denmark down to, to win that group uh, in my sort of uh, eight-team prediction. I did put Senegal in the Netherlands group, so I think that may well have uh, crashed and burnt already. Uh, France against Australia, Kev mentioned them there. That's a seven o'clock kickoff on TalkSport. Looking forward to this one. What about this for a stat, Dean Ashton? The last time the World Cup holders qualified from their group was 2006 Brazil. Surely France aren't going to fall at the first sign of trouble. No, I don't think they will because they've still got quality and there's some sort of feeling I've got that just if Giroud does does start, I actually think in a strange way, it really it really suits them and it really suits um, the other forward players because you just know what you're exactly going to get. He is not going to take up any of your space. He's not going to run into your space. He is what he is and he's very good at it. And actually... I'd be, inter- I'd be really interested to know, to speak to some of the other attacking players and, and wonder whether they actually prefer it, if the way it's going to be. So, in a strange way, I, I, I think it could have helped them. And I think they'll cruise through this group. I, I think that they won't. it won't be a, an issue getting through. Um, the Denmark game is obviously, is obviously the big game to, you know, Australia don't, keep clean sheets so it shouldn't be an issue for me tonight for France I think they'll put on a bit of a show actually uh, Kev the last game from terrific Tuesday Mexico against Poland so you've got Mbappe in action for France Eriksen for Denmark Messi of course for Argentina and Robert Lewandowski for Poland uh, but any Mexican players that we should be keeping an eye on I mean they've got experience uh, there's no doubt about that you look at Andres Guardado he's um you know got a, an enormous amount of caps for Mexico um plays in in Europe with Betis you've got Edson Alvarez who's an important player for Ajax in that midfield area so he'll hold a lot of it together in that area but you worry about them going forwards Herving Lozano has had a good season with Napoli he's been part of that amazing uh, squad that has gone to the top of Serie A and done so well in the Champions League, won their group ahead of Liverpool. So that was a very impressive achievement. But Raul Jimenez is still, you know, a shadow of the player that he was. Uh, and that's a big concern because they don't have lots of clear goal scoring options. So you listen to Mexican journalists, you listen to fans. They're not happy about how the team has performed in qualifying. They're not happy about Tata Martino, the coach. So I think they have some big question marks. I really do. And a reminder, all four of those games live either on TalkSport 
or on TalkSport 2, as will every game uh, this World Cup be. Uh, we're back tomorrow, Sam Matterface, and I think Darren Lewis alongside us for your daily roundup uh, of what happens on Tuesday and also looking ahead to some big games on Wednesday as well. Uh, thanks to Dean Ashton. We're off to Denmark against Tunisia very shortly. And to Kevin Hatchard as well. Kev, your World Cup gets underway, I think, with Ecuador against Senegal. Is that your first commentary? does yes looking forward to that very much great stuff uh thanks very much uh, keep downloading keep subscribing keep telling your friends about the world cup 2022 game day podcast from Talksport. the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.